It's not the length podcast. Uh, I, I dreamed about Ryan Callender last night. <laughs> ben Mondi? Is it Mondi or Mon- Ben Mondi? Yeah, he's like a journalist. Yeah. Is Carney Rob the devil? A little bit awkward. I opened the door. Bit of a whiff. You're better than that. You've got to put the body on the line. Welcome. It's not the length podcast. I'm Paul Evans. And I'm Ben Mundy. Ben, you've been in the land down under. How was it? It was, um, yeah, sunny. It was clean. Uh, it was fucking expensive to drink alcohol and eat food. Um, there was waves and I had a pretty good time back at uh, the prodigal sun returned. Did all the Aussies think you turned posh uh, and sounded like a pawn? <laughs> uh yeah, they were a bit worried about my lack of swearing was the main thing. Obviously, they were upset by it. There wasn't enough of it. So I had to inject uh, what I call swearing punctuation. So you just put fucks. Uh, mainly fucks is the best one. There's a lot of swearing here. But, um, yeah, you put fucks in, in between sentences, in between words. Just use them as commas, basically. Not for emphasis, just for habit. So I did that. And then I was pretty sweet as a nut after that. It was all good. It was all good. Can you give us uh, a, just give us a quick example? Like if you're talking, if you're just saying to mum, like you know, where where are the baked beans? Can you? How would you? What, oh, you just go. Where's the fucking baked beans, mum? Like you just put a fucking in there, just uh, without any real relevance, or you know, so it's just a word that goes in to a get, sentence. Mum, mum, where's the uh, fucking beans? Uh Where's the uh, fucking baked beans? Yeah, you got you to put the inflection on at the end. It's got to sound like a um, question. Yeah. So mum's good. Mum liked the swearing. Uh, got a few waves. I will say that um, where I was based, um, at, I was there at the same time as a certain cyclone, Omer, located up in the Coral Sea. And the, just the way that it was uh, spinning in its um, uh, clockwise uh, sort of wind variations meant that while up in Kira, eight to ten foot and pumping where i was based in newcastle was five foot and ripped by a dead i would say east 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 northeast east easterly um which rendered all sorts of waves impossible to ride so yeah while uh the my instagram feeds all the social media all the surf websites around the world were flooding my inbox with uh tales of 20 foot tubes and some mates are up there I was, um, yeah, unfortunately staring into a howling 40-knot easterly. So I learned that, which is good. You did get a good day, though, and you did have a bit of an incident. We're going to revisit your, your Tenerife incident because we did get quite a lot of feedback about that. It, tends to, it captured the listener's imagination, you getting sent in in Tenerife. But um, what happened What happened down under? Yeah, I've got to make a public apology, Paul. I'm not one for public apologies. Um, I think they're a sign of... Uh, Weakness, but in this case, I've had a, I've had a few weeks to think about it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I paddled out, redded my home beach. Pretty good. It was uh, five, six foot, and some left hand of its famous sort of left hand sort of sucky barrels. Uh, wasn't many guys out. We had some fun waves, but I had waited quite substantially for this sort of the waves go in on, um, and up it popped. Well, it didn't pop. As, as I was waiting in turn, I'd wait in my line. I'd sort of been pretty pretty cool. Um, three of my mates sort of paddled out. They're a bit younger than me, but we, you know, we've literally been surfing together since they were about 10. 
Um, you know, I haven't lived there in 15 years, so I thought, but I still thought I had some type of reputation, you know, some remnant of reputation left, some type of credibility. And I said, look, boys, they've had it on the inside. I said, look, I'm next. That's just the way it is. I've been waiting not only 40 minutes, I've been waiting a decade for this wave. Uh, that didn't take me seriously, as not many people do. A wave popped up. It was one of the better ones I'd seen that day. I took off. I said to my mate Bish, who was paddling, I was like, mate, I am going. And he said, well, I'm in too. I'm on the inside. I said, well, and I paddled. And we both took off. I was on the, on the drop. I dropped in, effectively. Let's call it what it was. Sorry. As we sort of pulled up in the tube. Now, if he'd had a, um, a, you know, a GoPro, if he'd, had, if he'd had the foresight to know that I'd be out there, uh, he would have got an amazing sort of shot of me pulled into a, a uh, you know, well, just in front of the curl, just could get a bit of a head dip. But he didn't. And he, he was kind of forced to straighten out. And, um, and I just sort of rode off into the distance, probably got my best tube of the trip. Uh, and at the time, I didn't. You know, I thought I was in the right. But having sort of thought about it, if the shoe was on the other foot, Paul, I don't know how I would have, how I would have um, sort of dealt with that. Maybe it was, you know, on the new Maduna model, Paul. Have I told you about my new surfboard? Yeah, you got, you, you got, did you get it free? Yeah, no, no, I didn't get it free. I ah. didn't pay good money off to one of the world's top shapers. But, um, you got uh, a discount. Yeah. You got, maybe I was channeling my inner Medina. I was, I was, you know, I was trying to obviously, uh, a late blame elsewhere. Maybe it was the Medina model Cabianca surfboard that kind of took over. But anyway, I've had a think about it. I am, um, Fisher took it well. Good old Vish, he's a lovely old. Lovely stick, took it well, and um, and and we and we shook hands. It was all cool, but yeah, I still think it deserves an apology, and I'd like to uh, put the record straight on the podcast. Right, and put the record straight on this board. You got a discount though, didn't you? Because you did. I remember you wrote an article about like the man behind Medina's boards. Come on, Monday, spill the beans. How much did you get off? Come on. I paid full whack for a surfboard of one of the finest shapes. Bullshit. I'm not having that. There's no way you ordered a board after writing an article about someone. I'm not having that. Anyway, what have you been up to, mate? Anything else been going on? Anything, um, anything exciting in the southern corner of the Bay of Biscay? Yeah, it's been belting down here. We've had a whole month. February was just sort of scorchio. Ever since we got back from Tenerife, it's like 25 degrees or hotter every day. Waves were pumping. I think I surfed twice. It's just sort of too, kind of too big. Yeah, it was, it was massive and, and, and pretty good. Um, good times. Springs in the air, mate. The veggies are out in the garden. Um, boots are off. Hoods are off. So good times. Fuck this toy. Fuck the ASP. Got a bit of a question for you about a career change, Monday. I don't know if you. I wouldn't necessarily say we call it a promotion. Um, but I've noticed that you've um, you've seemed to sort of honed in in your subject matter. Uh, is this? A, I don't know if I. This is an official announcement. Announcement, but. Are you now the um, the World Longboard Tour correspondent for the World Surf League? I've noticed a lot of content from you all about competitive pro longboarding, Monday. What's what's that about? Um, yeah, look, I've, I've, I'm not sure if sometimes something chooses you or you, or you choose it. Um, <laughs> I mean, mm. I, I certainly don't know when I remember choosing you to be my podcast partner, but... Um, yeah, I've done a lot of stuff as a longboard. So we sort of reached out and said, look, you're the man for the job. I said, yeah, you're right. And, uh, yeah, I've been I've been covering uh, the new World uh, Surf League Longboard Tour, which is pretty exciting. I mean, it, it all sort of culminated in a piece I, I did for another uh, website, uh, just off, off, off the record, titled 
is longboarding the new shortboarding? It's always about context, Paul. Uh, in that, the new surf, uh, the new longboard tour, which has got new events in, just had one in Noosa. You would have been all over that, Paul. Uh, there's another one in New York, back to New York. That's exciting. There's one in Pantene. The guys in Pantene, our, fr- our mates down there, have got a, a massive new event. And also finish off in Taiwan. So I just think it was quite fresh and exciting. A bit of the old shortboard tour. Um, there was talk of ending up the events and the mentawais and starting off in pipe and this and that. And then eventually all they did was move Margaret River to uh, the end of end of um, yeah end of May. That was their massive change. So I thought there was change. There was excitement in the air, Paul. There was... There was a bit of longboarding heritage and heart. I mean, you can read it all in Dogwood, so I don't want to go uh, too much into it. But yeah, I'm your man. Okay. Um, what's any sort of favourite manoeuvres? What's your, what's your favourite manoeuvre on a competitive oh, longboard? What I what I would most what most sort of gets the uh, the heart beating the fastest is when you see a. Oh, I mean, ideally, if I could choose in this sort of you know ideal scenario, it's a sort of short squat muscular. Maybe man of Brazilian extraction doing a um, kind of either a closeout floater uh, or a kind of almost one tri fin fin out backhand uh, re entry. Uh, <laughs> whether, whether the back fin, you, you see it just, you know, it doesn't actually come out of the top of the wave. You kind of see it uh, through the wave when, you, when you're looking behind. And to see that, to see a sort of five kilo. Nine foot tri fin longboard just getting thrown like that, run it like that in, in a two, three foot beach break. I mean, that's whew, that really gets me, gets me where the gets me where it matters, Paul. Um, would you and the surf world like to hear a quick Evans poo based uh world surf well then ASP world title longboarding world title trophy? This is a bit of a mouthful anecdote. <laughs> would you like to hear a quick anecdote? Uh, would you like to hear an anecdote about you? And putting a longboarding? Is that the question? Because I couldn't really get the question. Yeah, so basically, I'll, I'll just give you the brief version. The year, 2013, the place, Hainan Island, China, was when I part invented professional surfing in China. We were the first ever uh, professional event over there, the Swatch Women's Pro, Pro Longboard event to decide the world champion, then ASP world champion. Anyway, there's a press conference hosted by me, obviously, in our five-star hotel. Did the press conference, nailed it. The mayor of Wanning, I think it was, stormed out in a half foot, but let's not get into that, so I get bogged down. Anyway, uh, not because of me, it's the seating arrangement, which is really important in China about where different dignitaries sit. Anyway, um, it was the early days of Instagram, or my involvement on Instagram, and I saw the ASP Cup, the World Title Trophy, the iconic ASP kind of cup, and I had a really good idea for a photo. I thought I'd take it to the take it to the toilet, put it on the loo, get shots, maybe use put a filter, maybe lo-fi, maybe what some of the other ones called, I can't remember. Um, yeah, and put it on the Instagram, get some get some likes and some comments. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so real art, isn't it? Like a world champion trophy and a toilet and the juxtaposition of of all that. I can see where you're. I like. I like to think so. And um, yes, yeah, so I was in there. I was in the in the cubicle. It was kind of like one of those toilets. It was a five-star hotel. It was kind of in the conference suites. It wasn't like a man's or a woman's. There were just sort of toilets and a nice sort of bathroom area. Some really nice sinks and, you know, plants. It was really plush. Anyway, while I was in there, I thought, well, I might as well. It's been a long flight, you know, spicy food. So I had a quick, I did a quick toileting. Uh, I was just, yeah, it's 
quite a bit, a little bit of an aroma. It's all, I got it done. Uh, I got my content created as well on the iPhone 4S and then flushed and came out and in the sort of communal sink area happened to be Clear Muniz, soon to be awarded that World Title Trophy, and Crystal Ziggers, I think that's how you say her name, who's Anthony Walsh's wife and also a pro longboarder. Anyway, little bit awkward, I opened the door, a bit of a whiff and me holding the ASP World Title Trophy and they kind of went, hey, I saw him, hey. Hey, and then I sort of just put it down and kind of washed my hands and picked it up and, you know, everything was fine. It's fine. It's fine, Ben. It's fine. It's all fine. Well, it's time to go through some news and recent happenings of the surf world. What's good? What's bad? Ben, you can go first, mate. What have you got that's good? Um, okay, well, it's, this is a bit of a, a long... Well, I'll cut to the chase. It's called the fight for the bite. You've probably seen it. A good old mate, Sean O'Doherty, uh, extract editor, uh, now um, sort of writer extraordinaire. He's leading the charge to stop some uh, drilling in the Great Australian Bight on the southern coast of Australia. And uh, through his efforts, I mean, Sean O is now paid by Patagonia. I think this is a. It's, it could be a, a classic case of Sean O. Uh, Sort of both advocating a very good cause and also his own uh, his own <laughs> his own good causes, but that's that's beside the side. And uh, he's led a charge. He's got the world's best surfers uh, online. He's mobilised a lot of support. He's leading the charge to uh, let this Norwegian company, um, who are the ones that were doing the drilling, uh, try and stop it. Massive area of uh, untouched marine land being pilfered for. Uh, oil and gas, which is not good for the planet. And uh, Sean Oates is leading the fight, to his credit. Yeah, I, I wrote about this, actually did an article on wavelengthback.com, Emergency on Planet Shred, and that was one of my issues, was the Equinor drill. It used to be Statoil, uh, done a rebranding, changed their name. Um, yeah, it reminded me a little bit, in many ways, in terms of the mobilisation of the sort of Australian surf community, of the French sort of nuke testing from the 90s, remember that? Yes. Reminded me a little bit of that, the sort of photos of everyone doing the paddle outs and getting really into it. Um, did you say we are going to hear from Sean or we're not? Uh, I'm going to try to. I've got him lined up. He's a hard man to pin down. But, um, yeah, we're going to try and get the man on the phone and he will talk us through what he's done and, what, and more importantly, what we all can do to, um, yeah, to try and stop this shit happening. Some interesting feedback, though, as well. I saw some of the other side of the coin about, you know, the, I guess they're taking issue, essentially, that just where the drilling is. But, um, you know, there was some stuff from Fred Paul and some various comments about the sort of surfers essentially flying around the world, burning up oil. They don't mind it when it comes from somewhere else. Uh, yeah, it, was, it was an interesting kind of other side to the argument. I think, personally, I thought, I'll, I'll just give you my take on it, Ben. It's, uh, I think that the, the, the chance of the sort of spill would maybe isn't the right focus. The point is, should Australia, or anywhere, really be developing fossil fuels um, rather than other you know, alternative sources of energy from a global warming perspective. Obviously, a lot of that would be bad, but statistically, the, the chances are very low, aren't they? So, Australia's yeah, got the second, second, highest, second highest carbon footprint in the world after Saudi Arabia in Australia, and is 2019 the right time to be um, digging more fossil fuels out the, out the seabed, out the earth's core? Well, 
It's not Paul, exactly. Yeah, that Fred Paul, that guy. So, yeah, I don't know if, yeah he, he wrote a, re- a repost in um, a repost in uh, yeah, the Spectator, I think, in Australia. Yeah, yeah, he took issue. One of the maps that Sean O put up does show uh, the potential for an oil spill. Um, and it was, it, it was, he pointed out that it was potentially erroneous because it was sort of converging a hundred of the worst case scenarios. Um, and that, yeah, he's got a point to a degree. But yeah, he, he went on to say that this, um, this, this whole operation, as an advantage, he concluded that oil in the Great Australian Bight could produce six billion barrels by 2060 and create up to 50,000 jobs a year. Why the fuck? We don't need six billion barrels of oil come out of our fucking ocean right now. It's the last thing we need. Uh, and that fucking Fred Paul, I mean, I've seen him before. He's, he's done some really cool stuff on, um, he wrote a thing on Matt Branson about coming out gay. He actually reported the misconduct of, of Sarge, of the surf photographer, Paul Sargent. So he's done some important things. But you go through his Twitter feed, and just last week he spent a fair proportion of it battling most of Australia's surfers. Uh, he then went on a good round about protecting uh, George Pell, who's the uh, <laughs> the, the uh, Vatican uh, cardinal from Australia, who was actually the treasurer of the Vatican, who's been convicted of sexual abuse. He started protecting him. And I'll tell you what, if you're protecting pedophiles, Catholic pedophiles and the oil and gas industry, I reckon you're on the wrong side of the argument, Paul. That's my take on it. I love the mobilisation of the surf community, getting behind the environmental cause. Um, however, I think they could all maybe take a good look at themselves and their own carbon footprints and habits because the oil that they're using does come from somewhere. And yeah, exactly. Moreover, uh, there's a really good article on The Guardian just this week, George Monbiot, about car use and said that anyone who drives an SUV in an urban area is essentially committing antisocial behaviour. And I agree entirely. Have you got anything else that is? Yeah, just sort of lightening the mood slightly. Surfcore 2001 as my new favourite sort of person in sort of surf media stroke social media. Um, I'd probably go as far as that's the best podcast debut since Evans is now legendary session in the Farringdon Travel Lodge uh, in winter 2015. Um... He is an Australian who just appeared on Ain't That Swell podcast with Jed. He replaced um, Vaughn Deadly. And he, he actually sounded more like the host, I thought, even than Jed. He was really good at it and got some amazing stuff to say. He's essentially, if you don't know what he's all about, he puts up pictures from kind of around the late 90s or early 2000s in the sort of 25-inch board short era. Um <laughs> And just really, and then he gets quite deep with some of the captions. I'm just going to read out um, one about Slater. Um, so there's a picture of Slater. It looks like, yeah, late 90s. He's got his foot. I'm saying it's a 98, something like that. Um, and I'll just read out Surfcore 2001. Drawing room. The core manner. The gurgle of the orchy bottle philosophy pipe bubbles over a jazz fusion record. I lift my quill and begin to ponder the transience of the human existence. On an atomic level, humans are just trillions of atoms. These atoms form cells. The cells arrange into a tissue, nerves, bones, and organs. 
the body. Arranged correctly, cells can store neural information, the mind. The linear concept of the past, present and future, memory, fear, identity, emotion. Any good bush doof warrior will tell you this is an illusion. The fact is, on an atomic level, humans change every day. In a seven year cycle, nearly every last atom cell fiber dies and is replaced by another that is atomically brand new. <laughs> the carbon atom in your toner was once a comet or an FCS H2 or bong resin on a Seni Coast shisha. So it is entirely plausible that you are in fact a completely different person to who you were a few years ago. You might look and feel similar, but on an atomic level, a total stranger. So it's conceivable someone could once be an all-American darling, a fair and honest ambassador of surfing, a 6'3 times 17 and 5'8 wielding core lord with a superior intake and a distaste for multinational economic plundering. A short John Donning gentleman with taste and charisma to spare. And then transform. Shapeshift into a cold-blooded reptilian corporate cyborg that would shake hands with Judas Iscariot to sling a few round-nosed epoxies. So, someone who spelling corrects children on Instagram and poaches the limelight of his peer's retirement party. The kind of man who invites the world to his wave pool to perform karaoke and hot lap on a jet ski. Honestly, if you need any more proof that the reptilians have gotten to groovy Avalon, go sus the cheat code get up on the KSPS on Xbox. Shapeshifter confirmed. At Kelly Slater, wish you were still a sit cunt. <laughs> and if that isn't, I mean, it's quite lengthy, sorry, I, sort of, I meant to start that halfway through, but if that isn't one of the best things ever written on Instagram, or anywhere, I don't know what is. And every single post is that sort of depth of analysis. <laughs> isn't it? Weirdness with this, yeah, so he, like, he'll do one on Shane Powell <laughs> that'll he'll go in like to the, he'll talk about SMP visor for about four minutes. Like, yeah, so he's... Yeah, he's into it, isn't he? Yeah, I, I really like the... He fuses kind of metaphysical sort of, sort of quasi-philosophy with then kind of sort of vintage surfing equipment from sort of early 2000s or late 90s. Just little references. And then sort of rural rural Australiana kind of drug culture as well. It's all... Yeah, it's the, the tiniest sliver of a Venn diagram that he's operating in. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I can't see it. Well, let's hope it continues, but yeah, no, he's a fucking, he's a unique individual. I wanted to get him on the show. I sent him a, a hit on Instagram. Shall I tell you what he said? <laughs> yeah. Hang no. On. He said, hang on. Mate, what ya poddy? I told him the name. It's not the length. And he's seen it. He's not ghosting me. It's been seen. Um, hasn't replied yet. Let's see if we can get him on the show maybe next time out. Ben, what else have you got that's... I had a chat um, to our old mate, Micro Horn. Do you remember Micro? The famous surf coach. Um, the Irish guy. Yeah, Irish is, oh, Irish is the fucking backstop. He's, um, yeah, he's uh, an Irish Australian, more Australian than Irish. Uh, previous, obviously, surfer on the CT uh, or QS for, for much longer than the CT, and then now he's a coach in the stars. Um, and I had a chat to him about various things. And one of the points he made he's, he's current stable of, uh, of WCT or CT operatives. He's got Owen Wright, he's got Ace Bucken, he's got Connor Coffin, he's got Sally Fitzgibbon, and Breeze Hennessy. And I asked him 
what can we look forward to in 2019 from a man who's right on the coalface of surfing? And uh, he he um, he reckons this is what he said. I don't know if it's good or not, but it was a, an interesting point. He reckons that we're going to miss um, Paco and Fanning particularly and their surfing. And then he reckons that um, you know those type of sort of big turns and smooth hacks are. We've kind of got used to them. They've been a bit sort of taken for granted. And anyone that can, because they're going to be missing suddenly from the tour a bit, you reckon anyone that can do those might be able to get some big points. I was like, well, I mean, he, he might say that because he's um, he actually does coach uh, Connor Coffin and <laughs> Owen Wright and Ace Bucken, who sort of haven't done an air since 2006. But anyway, I just thought it was an interesting little uh, sort of insight into the sort of Fanning and, and Parco shaped hole that's about to pop up on tour. Has Wilco right. sacked him? No, he's still with Wilco, but he's on the CT. Oh, of course, that's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good point, well made. Yeah, so anyway, I just had a chat. I like, um, I like Micro. I like what he says, and he's always got a good thing to say. And he came up with a little interesting piece, which I thought I'd share with you, the world. Paul, what have you got that to say? Rob Michago getting better with age, Ben. I think... Um, I've had I've had to do a complete U-turn on Machado. Um, I've had to sort of, as you know, and possibly listeners <laughs> following my career closely, had a beef uh, started in, I think it was in 2007, so 12-year beef. I'm ready to, um, to, to sign the Entente Cordial. I'm ready to bury the hatchet. I'm ready to let the peace doves fly high in that sky. And maybe just go for a surf together on a on a board, a twin fin that he shaped on a kind of three foot sort of soft left hander. Cause um, I love him now. I don't. I mean, he might still be an awful person. He might still be morally and spiritually bankrupt and the worst kind of human. But I don't care. His surfing's that good. I'm prepared to accept him as he is. He dropped a clip recently on a seven foot fish. And me and a mate of mine, we used to spend quite a lot of time in the car park at a spot in South Devon. Um, waiting for the tide to change. Sometimes we were um, we were smoking the wacky backy to pass the time. And we used to try and design like the worst, the worst sort of boards ever. We used to do this, like you kind of worst board you could get. And we used to have a sort of a seven foot fish. It's kind of like, you think that could, that must be the worst sort of board you can get, right? It's like a minimal length, but a fish. Um, have a look on Machado, Rob Machado Circle's Instagram of him surfing a seven foot fish, mental. And I think he's getting better. And it's an interesting point that he said about Joel and making the carvers. Um, I think that's part of the Machado effect, why he looks so good. And he hasn't really changed, but his surfing just looks like amazing compared to a lot of the kind of squatty, um, sort of pumping at sections. Um, he just looks, just looks rad, dude. And so, Rob, uh, come back, all is forgiven. I love you. And he, like us, Ben's just getting better. With age. Well, that is a turn up for the books. Ben, have you got anything that's... Oh, I saw one little, you might have seen it, um, recent story about a, uh, a man, well, he was a Kiwi that now lives in England, who's filed for divorce. Um, and the reason that the divorce was cited in court was that uh, Carl, as he's known, uh, was, had become obsessed with night surfing in Bournemouth. Um, so yeah, allegedly Carl had taken to surfing Bournemouth Pier at night with some of his friends and often uh, it is alleged by his uh, 
by his wife that he would come home just for a shower and get dressed and go out to work as if he were a student tenant in the family home as opposed to a husband and father. What did she um, want him to do when he got home? Um, maybe to help with the kitchen or help with the kids or right. bath time and stuff. I don't know, all that weird shit. Not fingering. Yeah, but instead he was just Not like, fingering. Hey. <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, yeah, and so poor old Carl, he's, he just found his little niche. I mean, it... I mean, night surfing at Bournemouth in terms of addictions, it's, I mean, it's it's better than sort of crack, isn't it? But probably worse than, uh, I don't know, alcoholism. But anyway, yeah, he's, um, they're taking him to court. Uh, it's yet to be decided, but I just thought it was a, I mean, it was a just a story of, you know, a, a man who's found his, his love, found his addiction, he's, he's hitting the Bournemouth pier at night and uh, he's, he's, he's potentially going to lose his family over it so I thought that was quite bad Can I just take this opportunity to implore to beg our listeners to please go on YouTube and search Bournemouth Reef and find the Monday <laughs> the little clip you made where Monday goes to surf the funniest thing ever where you get to surf the Bournemouth Reef We're here at Bournemouth Reef and um, I've surfed all around the world I've been in Hawaii and Tahiti as an editor of a big surf magazine but this is the first uh, time in an artificial reef for me. Please, it's really funny. And then there's a there's a guy in there from the Southbourne Bodyboard Centre. I think it's called Carl as well, with a K, isn't he? And he goes, some of the stand-ups are having a bit of trouble out where it's quite a sucky wave. And then you go over the falls. It's really good. At the moment, it's definitely showing to be better as a as a bodyboarding wave. I um, yeah, it's like, that's my, I think it's got like 100,000 views. That's like my, that's my biggest ever contribution to the surfing community. That fucking day, I went, the, it was open to the public on the 1st of March and I went down there on that very morning, the first day you could possibly surf it. was for, um, I did it for the Independent, the uh, newspaper over here. Went down, paddled out. I don't know if it was a surfer or bodyboarder um, started giving me the, sort of stink high and I went to paddle past me he was like oh where are you going where do you think you're going I was like hey I'm just going out to surf this fucking wave and he goes oh you just be careful and I was like mate it's fucking been open for an hour like I'm a local there was like literally an hour ago nothing existed there was no localism and I was there so anyway that was another little funny aside um, but um, yeah have a look particularly look out for when I run down the beach in quite a lovely effeminate way yeah, um, yeah, it's gold. And check, and check out the comments, because the comments which my uh, previous partners in the company still send me when a cracker comes through, which is quite regular. For stand-ups, they're finding it hard to get to their feet unless they're at quite high standards. Paul, have mm-hmm. you got anything else that is? <laughs> Foil vids, Ben. Videos of pro surfers going foiling. Ah, uh, I don't mind the sort of parkour goes foiling. I don't mind the. The Mick goes foiling. I quite like Bottle's foiling video when he went to South America or something. There comes a certain point where you think, this is scraping the barrel. There's the um, Keanu A-Sing foiling clip recently. <laughs> if you're the sort of 917th kind of greatest surfer of all time, I don't know whether they cut the whole sort of, oh, I'm a foil kook, or normally I'm really good, but I can't do this yet. Is that, is that good? I think you've probably sort of seen enough of, of, of the pros sort of trying it out and doing, doing the foiling. Um, 
Yeah, and I just, I just make, think well, maybe's the time to just, um, I mean, if you want to post a video of it, if you follow him, that's fine, but maybe let's not do the kind of, what's this new thing? Yeah, it's not new anymore, I've all seen it. It's fucking dangerous. Um, probably, probably expensive, I'm guessing. But yeah, it's there, that's fine. I'm not trying to change that. Just don't want to see any more videos of it. Um, and particularly not from, you know, surfers that I don't really like seeing on their sort of very high performance shortboard. I definitely don't want to see them hopping up and down. Um, I quite, would, would quite like to try it myself, although it'll probably never happen. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely and utterly agree, which is a rarity, Paul. It's, yeah. I mean, it reached peak foil about what? About Kyle Lenny in 2016. And there's just been, there's been no, uh, there's been no innovation. Just a series of, yeah, as you say, professional surfers trying it out and filming it. And going, oh, look, I fell off. <laughs> Hashtag loyal to the foil. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. Ben, you got anything else that's... Yeah, this is uh, bad. Well, it's about the bad man in the good podcast. Uh, there's a new podcast out from Australia called uh, Who the Hell is Hamish? Um, and he is a... Uh, well, he's a surfer, um, but also probably one of Australia's greatest con men. And over the space of 20 years, he's ripped off everyone from grandmothers, uh, banks, uh, families, um, over the tune of about 50 or 60 million bucks and keeps getting away with it. And the uh, podcast is brilliant. It sort of, it sort of follows his, um, how he's done it and the, and the sort of wreckage that, that, that he's created. But it's set up in a little Bluey's Beach up near Boomerang Beach, which is quite a well-known little surf town in, um, in uh, New South Wales, which we know. But uh, anyway, yeah, he's a bad, bad man, um, but the podcast is brilliant. So, um, yeah, that's bad, but it's good. Check out Who the Hell is Hamish. Mm, I hope it's better than the Australian podcast that Ryan Callan and, and Dog Marsh put on in the car on the way back from Portugal, which I sat through for hours, which was fucking terrible. About It was about Silk Road, the kind of dark web, kind of drugs and sort of guns online store. It was like one of those Aussie right. Aussie crime type. It was fucking awful. I, I'm Ryan, I had a dream about Ryan Cullinan last night. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, <laughs> I was kind of, hi Ryan. Yeah, we were kind of, uh, we were sort of, it was like the first of the end of the year and um, I was somehow involved in his, his preparation and I somehow got it all wrong and he was late for his heat. <laughs> Richard was very angry. I mean, I don't want to go too much into the psychology of all that, but uh, yeah, it was interesting that uh, Ryan uh, was infiltrating my dreams last night. So uh, there you go. But um, yeah, no, this is a good podcast, Paul. I'd recommend it. I think you'll like it. Uh, and uh, yeah, check it out. Who the hell is Hamish? Paul, have you got anything else? Yeah, it's a question, actually. Uh, is Kalani Rob the devil? Is he the devil? Um... I would say no. I think he might be. Uh, I've, as you know, Ben, I have, I have sort of files open and I do my own, sort of my own investigative work. Not for money, just, just my own research. And I've had a file open on Kalani for quite a while now. Um, I, think he might, I think he might actually be the devil. Just go through and watch some of those catch surf videos where he's like surfing on a bodyboard. Just have a little look through. Uh, I think you, there's just something, I can't really put my finger on it. There's just something up then. I don't know if this is 
Maybe because I've healed my Machado beef, that now it's just transferred over to his ex. But by the way, they used to be mates and hang out all the time. They never see him sort of together or interacting. I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, um, I just got a feeling he might be the devil. That's all. Um, so just have a look, draw your own conclusions. But P.S. He is. So I, I don't understand. What, this is a very serious accusation. <laughs> Yeah. I'm a man. You haven't backed up with anything except the fact There's something that leaves me sort of cold. Something slightly sinister about him. Um, what about in um, pretending the, the momentum generation documentary? Yeah, like same. I mean, he had a very tough upbringing, didn't he, Paul? Very tough upbringing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really talking about his upbringing. I'm talking about him now and in his sort of marketing for catch surf softboards. Um, and sort of pretending to have fun surfing on bodyboards on little running left-handers, and there's just something up. Um, he's lucky that this isn't the sort of 16th century where I could, you know, just get the town crier, just point at him and say she's a witch, and he'd be burnt without, you know, any, any sort of due process or any evidence being required. Just an accusation is all you needed, really. Um, but yeah, I've got I've, uh, my investigations are ongoing, but I'm I'm worried um, about him, and also just changing tack slightly. Is Stephanie Gilmore Eric Rubier switch circa two thousand and four? Is she? <laughs> no. <laughs> now, are you sure, Ben? Um, I follow both Eric and Stephanie closely. Um, right. Check. I'm Check. Sure they're different. Czech Rebricks coming out of a barrel at El Camal when he first moved to Lanzarote and he kind of lifts up his like back arm as he comes out. He kind of looks like a claim, but it's not. He just comes out of the barrel with his, his left arm really high. Watch that new Stephanie Gilmore clip and she can't not do it. She comes out, she's pretty, pretty sick, like throaty kind of right-hander. Every time she comes out of the barrel, she's got her right arm, her back arm. It's it's rebri it's mirror image rebricks from two thousand and four. I'm telling you. So I don't know if she's ripped him off or there's some kind of shape shifting going on. I don't know if Kalani Rob's involved as well. I wouldn't be surprised if Machado had something to do with this. But there's something going on in the surf world, Ben, and I don't like it. Maybe she's just been closely following his uh, incredibly addictive Instagram and and social media output. Could be, but anyway, this the style bandits. She's she's ripped off rebricks. Um, yeah, that's I'm just things, these are the things I notice. Alright. And I've, I've got a, um, another little mini anecdote from the, from the surf actually, about a little beef in the surf, uh, which I, like I couldn't, I couldn't work out if it's a good or a bad, right? So I'll just put it on the end and you can draw your own conclusions. So a uh, recent day, just perfect little A-frames out here up front, Capriton, pretty sick, like kind of three foot, three foot left and right. Right in front of the jetty, so to take off on the sort of wrong side and go past it, it was pretty rad. Anyway, uh, the guy comes out in a stand-up paddle, pretty dangerous, bald head. You can just see him sort of straining and puffing his cheeks out and all his sort of neck veins sticking out when he was doing his bottom turns. He wasn't like necessarily an accomplished, particularly accomplished waterman. And there's like a few kids around and pe like people in the water. What my kids are even on the beach, it was that hot that in February this was, they were just in their cacks, just sort of body whomping in the shore, and that's how hot it was. And I was like, watch out for that guy. And he, anyway, he was pretty dangerous, just being a bit of a pest. So, halfway through the session, guy paddles out, paddles straight up to him, 
pushes down on his like sup to sort of knock him off. So he goes into the water. I thought it must be one of his mates. And then they start having kind of like an argument. And I was like, yes, this is great. Like someone's kind of stepped up here and kind of like, you know, said, done what we're all thinking kind of thing. You know, it happens almost every time someone's out on a sup went on a kind of a crowded peak like that. Anyway, so they started doing this, like pointing at each other and a bit of this and that, whatever. And I was like, oh yes, you know, this is great. So the guy's basically saying he ding he's dinged his board. So he kind of goes, come on, come on, I'll show you on the beach. So they go to the beach. It wasn't like go to the beach fight. It was like go to the beach to check out the board kind of thing. So anyway, guy paddles in, the paddle board goes in. Anyway, it's a few sets coming. I'm shredding, getting gnarly head dips. And um, yeah, Karen surfing, and they're, sort of, look up. they're on the beach at this point, and there's sort of a lot of pointing going on. There's another guy who I know is kind of backing up the surfer, um, and there's so much pointing. And I, you know, like when you watch football, and then there's a fight, and the commentators go, Well, there's no place for that in a sport, that is disgusting. Or sometimes in football, there's a fight, and they go, Well, that's just handbags. It's either sickening violence or like not violent enough. I sort of, I had that. I was just like, you know, first of all, I wanted, I wanted, to, I was like, this is great. But then I didn't really want anyone to act. I didn't want to see a fight, obviously. But it went on for so long. I was like, for fuck's sake, please, will someone punch someone? I wouldn't have even reminded if the stand-up paddle guy fucking hit the other dude. I was like, someone, like, I can't take any more of this. Like, how long are you going to argue for? Like, you, the dingus boy who didn't, he's probably called you a cunt or he hasn't. Just punch him or don't. Like, like, just can we just finish this? It was like Sting in his when it's sort of nineteen eighty eight when he's in his like full sort of tantric sex guru mode, sort of edging and like you know you could you sort of you could sort of do it for sort of four hours without without blowing the swad. It was like that. They were edging and but in a sort of fight style on the beach. I was just like, God, someone please punch someone. It's not the length podcast. Get your trousers on. You're nicked. You have the right to remain silent. DCI Evans, social media branch. Constable Monday, reporting for duty. You're nicked. Okay, Ben, brand new segment to the show. DCI Evans, Detective Chief Inspector of the Social Media Branch. You're a special constable, Monday, And we're looking around. I know you like my regular sort of look into Insty. Thought we'd make a little section out of it. Um, I think it's worth reminding people out there that they do have the right to remain silent. Uh, or in Britain, if you prefer the caution here, you do not have to say anything as the uh, police caution goes in the UK. It's just worth remembering. So just before we start this new segment, which I do love, what's the kind of dynamic between the DCI and the constable? Are you the kind of play by the rules, um, you know, play by, you know, you, you do it by the book, you don't really get anything going on, the more the maverick, the kind of the wild guy that, that um, you know, I throw the page away, I, you know, I don't need a revolver kind of thing. What's, what's, what's our vibe? What's if- our... What's that dynamic? If I could sum it up in one classic scene from the bill, it's DCI Meadows' first scene in Sunhill uh, Hill CID. And he, get, he starts giving the talk and he got, Burn, he got classic Burnside, the hard man. He got Jim Carver. And they've all got their ties, like, not really done up. I don't want my officer to 
officers walking around as if they'd just fallen out of bed. Ties will be worn done up properly at all times. You're basically doing your tie up. That's that will explain the dynamic pen. <laughs> I'll be more like I'm sort of more of the Eddie Murphy kind of guy in Beverly Hills Cop. Anyway, move on. Uh, Leo Fioravanti, our friend. Uh, Italian legend about to go back on tour. There's a picture of him. He's on the tarmac at an airport. It's a commercial passenger aircraft. And he's about to go up the steps to the plane. And it's actually an Airbus A319. And he's, he's saying, where to next? Question mark. Well, if you, if you just look at your boarding pass, Leo, it just says it on there. It's, it's impossible, it's physically impossible to go on a flight and not know where it's going. So just look on the boarding pass. You have the right to remain silent. A lot of, lot of material from International Women's Day. I might, I might have misunderstood a little bit International Women's Day. I, I mean, it could, could be me. I don't think I have, could be me. There was quite a lot of content from like dudes, put pictures of their sort of wife or GF looking, you know, kind of attractive with the, with the sort of broad sentiment of like, this is my one kind of thing, like, yeah. you know. My, my wife's amazing, I own her. Yeah, look, look at the one I got. Is that what Women's Day is all about? I'm not sure, but anyway, let's have a look at Tia Blanco. Um, it's a classic from her. Dear self, don't forget, a diamond is a chunk of coal that did well under pressure. You got this. Yeah, well, Tia, um, I don't want to pick you up on a kind of, sort of a, geolo a geological kind of te technical point. You have the right to remain silent. I got one here from Courtney uh, Conlogie. Um, I mean, her Instagram, it used to be her Instagram handle, used to be, I think, Neo Boho, uh, which is already a, a, um, a problem, but she's since changed it just to a name. But her handle says she's a WSL World Tour, puppy lover, coffee drinker, dreamer, creator, laughs, make abs. Um, and she's just got one of her recent posts and it's just her in the water and her quote is, and it's chilly and you didn't wear enough rubber. It doesn't even look cold. You have the right to remain silent. Felicity Palmatier. This is another International Women's Day one, Wendy. Quite a long post. Um, Maybe I don't want to go through the whole thing, but it's a picture of her and some other of the Billabong kind of swimwear kind of model team, some of the surf team modeling swimwear. Um, just going to pick this up halfway through. Believe in yourself and believe in your journey. Be good to yourself. Be unapologetically you. Embrace your imperfections. Accept the fact that when you grow, sometimes you lose people and that's okay. You have the right to remain silent. Let's visit Kanoa Igarashi's Insti. So there's a picture of him. There's a burger on a sort of little table somewhere by a beach. He's wearing a black Quicksilver t-shirt with two gold chains, a Red Bull hat, kind of a fitted chino with an elasticated bottom and some white shoes. He's saying, worry about me, then you must have lost focus. Yeah. You have the right to remain silent. How about the Goodwin way? Andy? What about the good ones? What are they up to? Well, I mean, so while I would just nuance this by saying I sort of broadly admire the, their sort of alternative lifestyle, I like The Given movie on Netflix. Thought that's pretty cool. Um, we've got a picture of Daisy and Amayan and they're one of their children. Um, I'm assuming this is Daisy. It's the in-betweens, the little moments, 
the everyday things that can spark the most hashtag wonder. As an adult, to see the world through the eyes of our children really is the jolt we need to step back and appreciate these small victories like putting a shirt on. I mean, Ben, <laughs> the fuck is the world coming to the- You have the right to remain silent. Another bit more broader one. Um, and it's a good old, a good mate and legend of surfing, Shane Moran. Um, there's kind of too many to, to <laughs> go through here. I mean, basically, Constable Monday here's got a problem with, I'm only gonna charge him with current quantity over quality. Uh, <laughs> if I was to read out, um, Shane has probably 400 posts a day. You have the right to remain silent. Ben, a lot of people getting in touch with the show. Just remind you how to do that. You can send us a tweet at Wavelength Mag or DM us on the Insta or on Facebook, Wavelength Mag. Ben, any any correspondence you're in? Yeah, I had um, I got someone went straight direct message me actually on uh, Instagram. Pretty like, pretty hard hitting one. Went straight in. Um, it didn't even didn't even bother with any sort of love the podcast or anything that stuff. He just went straight. He said. What is your fucking issue with boogie boards? Mm, well, what is it, Ben? He goes, well, no, he said it's... Uh, this guy's called Fins Free Not Hands Free. Uh, at Fins Free Not Hands Free, which is pretty cool. Um, it's a constant reference. Um, and I remember a time when I too considered them a subclass beneath me. I generally both hated and feared them once upon a time. Of course, you know what happened? I grew up. I talked to them. I made friends with them. I even learned to love them. You're stuck in the thought pattern that denigrates and mistreats people, a dangerous way of thinking that we need less of, not more of in the world as it currently stands. Deal with it. Wow. I mean, I was kind of a bit taken back, Paul. I didn't think I'd... Uh, I mean, I talked about what? I'd mentioned that I'd had seven Tenerifans surround me and s smash my head in with their flippers. And I'd also uh, brought up the fact that <coughs> it's a bit weird when they look up when they're going into a tube, but I don't think I've sort of been that, like, boogie board racism. Well, well Finn's free, not hands free. Good, good to have you tuning in, mate. Um, it's good heartfelt emotion. It really was. I see, yeah, I see he sort of sees you as Trump and the bodyboard community as the sort of immigrant horde south of the wall that hasn't been built yet, hasn't he? That's how he's kind of viewing it. Fair yeah, enough. That's a fair point. Yeah, lying beneath the surface. I mean, he's clearly a... a uh, he doesn't mention it. He's clearly a uh, bodyboarder, which is fine. I don't have a problem. As I said, like I, I rode one once for nine months when I had a cruciate knee problem. I've done it. I've dealt with it. And um, fair play to him. I like him. So, yeah, no. But I, he made me stop and think about my attitudes towards him. I'm going to try and recalibrate. Okay. Thanks. I mean, spray not hands free. Okay, well, we did have Rog got in touch from Bristol and he was really touched by your sort of heartfelt getting sent in story from the Canaries. We're actually going to try and get in touch with Rog now. Quite an emotional moment. He, he did say he was willing to share. Let's see if we can get hold of Rog. Hello? Yeah, hi, Rog. Uh, Paul Evans from It's Not The Length Podcast. You're on air with Paul and Ben Mundy. I believe you've got a recent anecdote um, something that happened to you, would you like to share it with the surf world? Yeah, so I went down to Wales the other day with a couple of mates from Bristol and we went to this spot, I suppose about an hour away from Bristol 
Um, and just to put it into context, the, the forecast was perfect. Uh, it had been the day before as well, and we probably spent about six hours driving around <laughs> and walking to spots and ended up surfing for about an hour in not very good waves. You know, the tide was too high or it was too low or the swell was too big or it wasn't quite big enough. We finally found this spot to surf. We pulled up to the car park. There were about seven or eight guys checking it, I suppose. Three guys in the water. I won't name the spot. Um, we sort of suspected it might be a little bit local and turning up with three people might not be the best idea. Mm. But we went for it anyway and sort of staggered our entrance into the lineup. And me and one mate, after the first mate had got in, were walking through the car park. I was, uh, was sitting in the boot of his car and he said, All right, boys, how's it going? You're from around here? My mate said, uh, Yeah, we're from Bristol. Bristol? <laughs> Fucking Bristol! Fucking Bristol! Are you taking the piss? And we explained to him that we weren't taking the piss uh, and he called over his mates in the car park and said boys have you heard this these guys are from Bristol fucking Bristol <laughs> he was pretty angry and my mate said we, uh, we won't get in your way out there we'll be respectful and everything and he said you better not get in our fucking way because if you do there are boys out there who'll do something about it <laughs> and I said, oh, really sorry. And so he said, don't be fucking sorry. Get back in your car and fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we did. Mate, I think you just, you've got to, you've got to show yourself a bit more respect than that. You're better than that. You've got to put the body on the line. <laughs> I once paddled out at a place called Stanwell Park and I don't know if you ever heard of a guy called The Predator. His name's Eddie Blackwell. He's like Australia's probably version of Johnny Boy Gomes. And, and I dropped in on him, as you do. He came out and he got angry and I was going through the life. I'm so sorry. And he punched me six times in the head really fast and really hard. And um, he told me to go in. But it was about six to eight foot pumping. And I said, mate, I'm not going in. He goes, well, I'm going to have to keep punching you. And I said, well... Yeah, just keep doing it. I'm not coming in. I wasn't going to punch, and he, he, he did another three, and then he just worked out that it was just going to be like a sort of quite a humiliating punching bag experience, and he cut it off, and I stayed out, and I, I, I had a headache for two weeks. But anyway, that's my kind of advice. So I'll put it on the line next time, Rog. And, um, yeah, paddle out, mate. No one owns the ocean. Okay, can you go on? Get him a body bag! Okay, Mandy, well, um, pretty much smashed that fucking chat out of the park, didn't we? <laughs> good chat. Good, good podcasting. Um, just remember, we had correspondence on there this time. Could be you on the show next time. Out, get in touch. At Wavelength Mag, tweet, Instagram, Facebook, write a letter. Or just come round Mondays or my house. Go to the Wavelength office. Uh, ben, where are we going to be next time? We're doing this record remotely. What's happening next time out? The international... Um, conspiracy of surfing communicators, the WSL, have got together the uh, the dream team. We're heading to Portugal. You hit, hit the QS hard. Oh. Who we got? Me, you, Giggsy, I think. Oh. Oh. Evans. 
Monday, Cilia's dream commentary team, QS 3000s. Yes, please. 3000. Two events back to back. First one is at Santa Cruz, and second one is at Caparica, just south of the bridge in Lisbon there. Join us for that online. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to the show. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. Monday, have you got a message for the surf world? Get a dog up. It's not the length of the cars.